Hello. I'm Brianna. I'm Sarah. And we are the the Squad Squad Ghouls. Just a couple of creepy gals that love creepy things. One of us is a tired creepy gal. The other had an energy (laughs) device. (laughs) And she she is less tired. It is lit over here. (laughs) I think I need to do this more often. But it's a Friday night. Friday. Friday, Friday, Friday. Okay, so you remember that Friday song that all the kids were talking about a couple years ago? Oh, you mean the, it's Friday, Friday, sure. gotta get down on Friday. That sounds like it could be correct, but I actually have never heard the song. <laughs> I've avoided it. And I feel <laughs> terrible that I even know the song. But here, I'll tell you my reason why I actually know it. This would better be good. It is. Okay, because good. when we would go to Hamburger Mary's on okay, Fridays, this, this is acceptable. they would always play it before they would come out i guess i just always played went to mary's on a saturday yeah we always that's right that's yeah we, we probably always went it was saturdays. very seldom we went on a friday that's true unless we had a real good reason no we well i guess yeah. when when drag race was on we would go and watch oh the, that's right the premieres there. but yeah you never noticed that they played the friday song truthfully i probably just blacked it out but truthfully the drinks are really strong there you know that's true too <laughs> so you probably didn't hear that song you're like drag queens Um, (laughs) because every time i go into the bathroom i just start singing dancing queen and even though i really hate abba there's something about being in a bathroom with a disco ball that makes you want to wash your hands it makes your restroom experience so much better it really does um for those of you that don't know (laughs) hamburger mary's is in west hollywood here Mm -hmm. in california for those of our listeners who are elsewhere and not in socal yes um it is a wonderful place they have really good food and there's drag queens and we love drag queens i love them a lot yes we are we are uh as it were drag hags yes i hate that it's that term like the hag at the end (laughs) i mean i consider myself to be kind of an old hag so that's okay i disagree with that statement well you know because if you're an old hag then i'm six feet under i mean but truthfully (laughs) my so when i was eating dinner my fortune cookie said what was my fortune said you are compassionate and fun loving like this cookie and i have clearly never met (laughs) (laughs) oh man try again fortune cookie (laughs) <laughs> anyway the person writing those fortune cookies aren't really thinking though no they're really i, I not. try not to believe everything they say same here but then again well anyway well i have a joke for you <gasps> i'm ready what kind of ghost has the best hearing oh what kind of ghost the eeriest <laughs> i'm Amazing. so tired it's funny <laughs> i have one it's also a ghost one okay okay Okay, why was the ghost arrested? <laughs> I'm reading the answer, that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> I don't know, Brie, why? For possession. <laughs> okay, oh, and, and truthfully, when I wrote this one in, I was laughing about it for like five minutes. Yo. <laughs> All by myself, because I have a sad life. That one's funny. <laughs> well, shall we get into our booze news? Yes. Booze news, booze news. Uh, you want to do the first one? Oh, okay. You can. Yes, I will. That's fine. (laughs) Okay, well, uh, there's new Hocus Pocus 2 uh, discussions taking place. (gasps) Yay! 
I'm so excited. This is exciting. <laughs> um, the fun of the first film um, was seeing these witches from the 1600s suddenly brought, you know, into the modern world. So it is expected that the sequel will once again feature the Sanderson sisters being brought back into our world, um, as was hinted um, with the original uh, film's t- ending. So I'm okay with it. I mean, I'm okay hmm. with it. I'm okay with that. I just don't want it to be the same story over and over. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, so they're going to... I don't want it to be like Thora Birch now that she's an adult coming back and now she's she's got kids. (laughs) Well, or like her kids bring it back and, you know, Uncle Max makes it like, meh, you know, I, I want it to be original. I don't want it to be the same tired story. Yeah. I hope I would have liked it. I would have liked it more, like, so we could see when they were in their prime, kind of, like, go yeah, back. Yeah, like a sequel? Or, or a prequel? Prequel. A prequel. Prequel. I kind of would have liked to seen that. Me too. Like, more of, like, when Billy Butcherson was alive. Yes. And kind of intertwining with two sisters at the same time. <laughs> you, you I want to see that. You know what will make you feel real old? Uh-oh. Hocus Pocus is 27 Oh, stop. I remember going to see it in the theater. Oh, man. Yeah. Like I said, you you said you're like old and decrepit and hag and I'm, yeah. Now now you really feel like one. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, I don't feel like a hag. Like I said, I feel like I'm like digging the grave. (laughs) 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 But exciting news for Hocus Pocus, like my only thing is just don't ruin it please thank you please don't please don't make it the same story make it new original and fun please please and thank you (laughs) um okay so next up um we are ready to settle in for quote-unquote ghost tober which is uh the travel channel's third annual paranormal programming event so there's no need to leave the house when halloween rains all month long Mm. yeah taking viewers on spine chingling adventures to the other side yes so there's going to be a few new specials and some returning favorites oh yeah so there's going to be a couple of quote-unquote over-the-top specials exploring the topics of the unknown so this will culminate with seven nights of fright including the top 20 of the world's spookiest unexplained videos which kickstarts the week of sunday october 25th Ooh, yeah with the, have to watch that one yeah with a two-hour countdown of paranormal caught on camera which i see all the time and i just can't get into it i don't know I, i've okay. never i've never really watched them all the way through but i say we watch it with a couple of bottles of wine and popcorn oh party time i mean i think that would make it interesting right can we do it i'm, please? I'm in okay i'm here for this <laughs> i am here for this um so in addition to that there's going to be a few other uh, supersized specials that are shock docs focusing on two of our nation being the new the u.s's most terrifying tales of terror so the first off being amityville horror house horror horror it's like the hardest word to say without and if you get it it like the other one yeah (laughs) oh man so that'll premiere on monday october 26th and then the other one is the exorcism of roland doe oh 
Yeah. So that'll premiere on Tuesday, October 27th. Amazing. So it's it's going to be exciting. And this season will, fans will be able to celebrate this season with many of Travel Channel's talent featured on the new Shock Docs and Tell All Holiday Special, This Is Halloween, which will premiere on Wednesday, October 28th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Oh, got yeah. some good stuff coming. Yeah, man. So it should be uh, should be interesting. It's not just going to be the same Ghost Adventures episodes over and over with <laughs> Zach Bagans Aww. busting out his gas mask. But I like that too. I like Ghost Adventures. And actually in this episode, <laughs> I'm going to make mention of one of those particular episodes. But it, oh. when he pulls out the gas mask, it's a little much. I, I just laugh at it. I think it's funny. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah (laughs) well um some happy death day news so uh while uh blumhouse has no plans to finish the trilogy uh the writer and director christopher landon has revealed the title for happy death day 3 and it's happy death day to us oh come on (laughs) it's so creative you know i didn't mind the first one i I, loved the first one i thought the first one was really cute i was laughing all the way through me too because i mean just imagine if you like kept dying and you came back to like your one night stand (laughs) (laughs) over and over i'm I'm gonna keep my mouth shut my mother listens to this podcast (laughs) i'm just saying yes i can't think of anything worse (laughs) it's just it was it was hilarious to me but anyway (laughs) so uh landon um had an interview with empire um and he said it's definitely off to the side at the moment i wish it wasn't and i know that jason blum is passionate about it i know i'm very passionate about it and i know that jessica uh roth who is the the actress (laughs) um in the first one and in the second one sorry uh is really eager to do it as well um he also adds i wrote the idea for the third movie some time ago i think we're all excited by it because it's different than the other two films and so we're really just crossing our fingers and hoping that our fan base continues to grow which is something i've really enjoyed watching over the years seeing more and more people discover both films so who knows? There might be time. There might be a time when it makes sense, and hopefully, it's sooner rather than later. Interesting. So we'll see. I mean, could we change the title though? Yeah. <laughs> That's all I want to say. <laughs> Let's change the title. Yeah. I never. You know, I don't think I ever saw the second one. You know what? It was okay, but it basically intertwined everybody. Like any everybody, like her, the boyfriend. Mm-hmm. the other friends um and then the um her boyfriend's roommate or whatever it just kind of it was it was, a, it was a mess it was a big hot mess and then they went Ugh. in a like a time travel machine to kind of fix everything Ugh. yeah it anyway. wait time travel like hot tub time machine sort time of travel? yeah Ugh. so okay. they could try to fix you know the hands of time i guess anyway whatever it, it was all right i watched it just because i liked the first one i thought maybe the second one would be good and yeah it wasn't mm. <laughs> well uh good news for all of you floridians or folks that are close to florida or folks that plan to visit florida i mean really just good news for universal orlando hey. so 
there will actually be two of the previously designed mazes that were supposed to be for Halloween Horror Nights because Orlando had already done so much work on theirs and their theme park was allowed to reopen as opposed to those of us here in California. All of our theme parks will probably be closed forever and ever and ever. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. We can't have nice things. That's why our COVID cases are spiking again. So, you know, we haven't earned our theme parks. We've been sent to bed without dessert. But good news for (laughs) Universal Orlando. There are two mazes that are going to be launching. One is called The Bride of Frankenstein Lives. And then the other is called Revenge of the Tooth Fairy. Oh, nice. That sounds less scary. Well, any of our listeners that are in Florida or plan to go to Florida during this let us know. Please go. Yeah, please go and send us pictures. Tell us how you like it. Yeah, we because we can talk about it. Or how you didn't like it. Yeah, that too. We'll find out. We'd Give like us your know. thoughts, your feels, your burning desires, your wishes, your winning lottery numbers. <laughs> um, so apparently it's going to use a virtual line, which you can read all about on Dread Central's website. So for those that don't know, we pull our news from a few different sources we pulled from bangoria from dread central and from bloody disgusting so this one actually came from dread central and uh you can read all about the different mazes on their website and they're going to open these two specific mazes for daytime operation which shall be interesting yeah so they're going to be calling this whole soiree halloween seasonal experience testing okay right interesting yeah so yes floridians or folks being temporary floridians visiting let us know yes we'd like to know Mm -hmm. what's going on yeah man um well sort of sad news Candyman definitely pulled from the october release and is being pushed to 2021 new date will be announced soon i'm very sad about this i am too and i I was really hoping you know me and my (laughs) my soapbox about the drive-in drive-in movies it would have been great to see it at the drive-in oh i know like think of how much scarier kind of would have i think i might have jumped well and this is such a big one for uh, for black filmmakers Mm -hmm. in in horror specifically and nia DaCosta because there are so few black women horror directors yep horror directors this would have been and and not would have been it will be a huge boost in her career i'm just so sad that her opportunity now has to wait until next year because we can't have nice things and stay inside and wear masks and stuff but yeah you know all that good stuff boo (sighs) so yeah hate to end it on a sad note but (laughs) i think i ate too much food it was really good though you know my stomach hurts now i'm sorry oh well continuing on with just sharing some organizations to follow um one that we've actually kind of both oh yeah we volunteered with them before yeah um is casa pacifica (laughs) um and they are more well known in the uh, venter county uh area in california uh but casa pacifica wait let me say that again (laughs) Casa Pacifica, there we go, offers adolescent and family services designed to treat victims of abuse and neglect 
substance abuse, homelessness, and other uh, behavioral uh, and mental health issues. Um, they have an office in Camarillo, Santa Barbara, and Santa Maria, and they work with more than like you know 2,100 of the most vulnerable children and their families annually. Um, actually, here in Camarillo, um, they have a huge facility where they can take in, you know, families and uh, children and everything from really terrible situations. Uh, uh, many, well, I can't say it was many years ago, but a little bit ago, we helped out in one of their really big events that helps raise a lot of money uh, for Casa Pacifica, and that's their uh, food and wine, and now brew festival. They added on the brew. Because gastro pubs and micro brews and everyone wants their beer everyone everyone's got a brewery (laughs) these days it's like prohibition we're just right back to the 20s yeah it was it was a really great event oh it's super fun the rap uh the raffle prizes i'm sorry not the raffle the silent auction that they have there where we would always kind of run that booth yes and it was kind of fun and then we get to walk around and look at the stuff but it's just a really good cause to work with and we knew a couple people who have you know, work closely with them. And it's just a a really, really good organization. Like they really, really help uh, youth and I would say mainly youth, um, but they also help their families and just kind of help them overcome a lot of like, you know, our life's most difficult, you know, circumstances, obviously mainly like the abuse and taking them out of those situations, which is really great. Nobody wants to be in that (laughs) and no one wants to watch anybody go through that Uh -uh. um so it's really 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 great program you can actually um i remember there was one time we got to skate with some of them that was that was really fun that was a blast i felt really good after doing that but um please check them out uh even though we're in covid uh they are still taking donations uh for clothes toys i mean just anything so if you got a whole bunch of stuff lying around, they are always open for donations. The families really need those things. So if there's things that you had in your closet for so long and you don't want to wear them anymore. Should probably either take it there <laughs> or I would say mainly there. I have taken stuff there and that, you know, it's always a necessity for them. They always need new stuff, Absolutely. but they also take donations on their website. They also have Facebook and Instagram. Please send money. So, How about 10s and 20s? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Do it. Check them out. <laughs> Today's episode. I'm so excited. We're very excited about. So excited. So we're continuing our journey around the globe because we're unfortunately stuck in quarantine. So we can't visit because no one wants to let us in. <laughs> Understandably so. Yes, I get it. Because we can't get it together over no, here. we've been sent to bed without our dessert yet we, again. We have been banned. We have been. <laughs> um, so unfortunately, we can't travel right now and visit these places. So we are discussing some of the most haunted cities around the world that we would love to go and visit yes. as soon as we're allowed to. Basically, we're planning our itinerary. We really are. <laughs> <laughs> like all of these episodes are just research. Yes, exactly. Uh, so today's episode, is haunted mexico city (laughs) i have been waiting for this i'm so excited like when i saw this on our little schedule i'm like oh i know i feel like we put this on the schedule forever ago but we kept (laughs) moving and shifting and shaking things around (laughs) so this one's i'm i'm real excited we're finally here 
Yes, we are. So excited. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. Um. So the first place that I picked is called the Palace of the Inquisition. Ooh, the Inquisition. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I pulled, when I was researching this, I pulled a lot of my information from uh, Wikipedia, but the, um, well, I pulled a little bit of it from Wikipedia, but then I also pulled a good chunk of it from Atlas Obscura, which if you've never gone on Atlas Obscura, it's so much it's fun amazing. when you can't sleep. It's mm-hmm. great reading. And then you'll never sleep again. Pretty um, much. Yes. So <laughs> first off, let's talk a little bit about what the Spanish Inquisition was, because I think that a lot of people, when when they think about the Spanish Inquisition, they they think of that Monty Python's Flying Circus skit when no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. See, when I think Inquisition, I think of History of the World Part 1. All that, too. But the whole musical number. Yeah, that, too. <laughs> That's why I started singing it. Yes. Yes. So uh, it was unfortunately not that pleasant obviously. So the Spanish Inquisition was actually established in 1478 by the Catholic monarchs Ferdinand II of Aragon and Isabella I of Castile. It was intended to maintain Catholic orthodoxy in their kingdoms and replace the medieval Inquisition, which was under papal control. It became the most substantiative of the three manifestations of the wider Catholic Inquisition, along with the Roman Inquisition and the Portuguese Inquisition. That I did not know. So that was actually really, really fun for me to research. So it may be defined broadly operating in Spain and all of the Spanish colonies and territories, which included the Canary Islands, the Kingdom of Naples, and all Spanish possessions in North, Central, and South America. And according to modern estimates, around 150,000 people were prosecuted for various offenses during this three-century duration of the Inquisition, Wow! out of which about 3,000 and 5,000 people were executed. That is crazy. Yes. So I didn't know it was that high. <laughs> I, am, I am all for people having faith and wanting to believe in whatever they, they choose to believe in and what's in their heart. However, this is what happens when religion goes too far. Mm-hmm. So it was originally intended primarily to identify heretics among those who converted from Judaism and Islam to Catholicism. The regulation of faith of newly converted Catholics was intensified after royal decrees issued in 1492 and 1502, ordering Muslims and Jews to convert to Catholicism or leave Castile. And the Inquisition was not definitively abolished until 1834 during the reign of Isabel II after a period of declining influence in the preceding century. That's a long freaking time wow. to be persecuting people. Why did I not know it was that long? It was real wow. long. I took, um, unfortunately, it was a prereq in college. I don't, I was a biology major so i don't know why i had to take this but i had to take a couple of history classes i'm like i want to take a european history class that sounds fun it was not fun it was so depressing i was i was kind of looking at him like girl (laughs) (laughs) you chose the wrong class oh my gosh it was so true (laughs) i would have been sleeping in the back oh my gosh this yeah it was brutal it was real brutal (laughs) no offense to our european listeners but oh no no not at all but but just some teachers they just well there's a lot of a lot of brutality yeah that that doesn't get talked about (laughs) lots lots of war but anyway so let's talk specifically moving to and focusing on mexico city so 
The Palace of Inquisition, of the Inquisition, stands on the corner of República de Brasil and República de Venezuela streets in Mexico City. Good job. Sorry. This is going to be... I took three years of Spanish in high school. I swear. I know enough to be dangerous. I can I can understand it when it's spoken to me, but I can't... Like My, my little neurons can't connect fast enough for me to actually yep. spit responses same, back out. Same for me. Yeah. <laughs> I can sit and think and go, okay, this is what they're telling me, but that's about it. Um, so its long association with the Inquisition, which ended during the Mexican War of Independence, made it difficult to convert for other purposes. However, it eventually became the School of Medicine for the newly reconstructed National University. Hmm. Yeah. So when and it's actually abbreviated as UNAM, which stands for National Autonomous University of Mexico. UNAM. Hmm. Okay. So when UNAM moved to the Ciudad Universitaria. That was so wrong, but I tried. (laughs) (laughs) You sounded so proper when you said it, though. I like it. Oh, I'm so sorry, friends. In the (laughs) 1950s, uh, it retained ownership of this building and eventually uh, converted the structure into what is today the Museum of Mexican Medicine. Yeah, which I would be all about that. I would go in there with you. Oh, heck yeah. I'm the weirdo that, that... can't sleep and watch like all the like surgery like shows and stuff oh yeah yeah my my neighbor had part of his intestines removed and i my the first question that i asked him was did you get to keep it (laughs) i was like and is there video yeah and he was like no why would i keep it like i don't put a little jar in your mantle it'd be kind of (laughs) cool I'm so sorry. I don't know what's wrong with me. I was dropped on my head or something. It all starts with a head injury. This is why we're friends. Exactly. So from nearly the beginning of the colonial period until the Mexican War of Independence, this spot has been the headquarters of the Inquisition in the colony of New Spain. Interesting. Hmm. Yes. So here, enemies, quote unquote, enemies of the Christian faith were brought through the imposing doors to be imprisoned and tortured. They were often sentenced to death by being hung, drawn and quartered, or burned at the stake. The jail of the palace was known as, quote unquote, of perpetuity to the inhabitants of Mexico City because very few of those who were imprisoned within its walls left the building alive. Wow. Yeah. So we talked about some of the groups that were specifically targeted, um, and among those being uh, those of the Jewish faith who were believed to have reverted from Christianity back to Judaism, uh, women accused of practicing witchcraft, and the many rebels who sought political reform or independence from Spain. Other victims targeted sporadically were a few brave scholars who proposed the separation of science from religion, or who committed the quote-unquote misdeed of teaching controversial and heretical 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 i don't know how to i think you said it right the first time heretical yeah no i mean it sounds correct english is hard friends (laughs) (laughs) subjects and contradicted established religious teachings as well as those accused of spying for the rival colonial powers of portugal france holland and england So by the end of the 18th century, the power of colonial Spain was waning in Mexico. And in 1820, after the defeat of Spanish armies in the bloody war of independence, Mexico was declared a sovereign nation. Yay, Mexico. We like independence. Um, When it was closed, the chronicle or the chronicles say that people left crying while saying God is going to punish us. How sad. 
Due to its dark past, the palace was extremely unpopular in post-independence Mexico, and the building was subsequently abandoned and left to stand derelict for many years. But I do have to say, it looks really freaking cool. If you get it, like, just Google image search, yes. it's it's a super creepy building. It really is. Yeah. So, uh, no one was actually willing to buy the building in auctions, and when it finally did sell two decades later, it was purchased for the minimum price possible by an archbishop. Oh. Yeah. So, a little fun fact about this building. Um, it was totally outfitted that to include a special secret prison and that little torture dungeon that was down there. Um, the primary method of torture, in addition to the ones that I mentioned, but the primary method of torture was known as strapado, Ooh. which uh, essentially involves individuals having their hands tied behind their backs before they're hung up. Uh, and then they're strung up to the ceiling and then there's weight that's applied to pull their body down. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then they also had a rack where they would stretch you and pull you apart creepy Oof. creepy creepy yeah so creepy we'll ha we'll have to do a haunted london because i went through the tower of london and let me tell you the fun stuff that was in there uh that's like another one that's on top of my list oh man good stuff in there london for sure mm -hmm. oh yeah <laughs> um so the building passed through several hands over the years and it was actually used as a lottery office at one point, a boarding school, and a soldier's barracks before somewhat ironically becoming what it is as the National School of Medicine in the 1850s. Yeah, so it's actually still in use today and also houses a museum where you can see uh, many of the exhibits relating to the history of medicine in Mexico, which I think would be so fascinating. Yes. So... Although the pain and suffering, once so common within the building, had come to an end, many believe that the souls of tortured victims still lurk within the palace of the Inquisition. So there are many claims of sighting shadow figures throughout the museum. Uh, there are also numerous reports of feeling strange presences. Presences. Presences? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I said it right, but it sounded so wrong. You ever stare at a word? And, yes. And you're like, it can't be spelled that way. <laughs> but it is. I just did that with <laughs> We're doing great. I'm so sorry. I'm we tired. are doing great. It's Friday. <laughs> um, so feeling these strange presences and hearing disembodied voices on the property. Perhaps the most commonly reported paranormal occurrence is hearing the sound of agonized screams emanating from the empty museum. Oof yeah creepy. creepy but yes that is the story and the history of the palace of inquisition where thousands of people went through being persecuted so lovely i know it's terrible it's terribly so sad great yeah wow i mean i uh i feel like looking into stuff i i definitely went through the rabbit hole went down went through <laughs> i probably went through it down and through <laughs> <laughs> Um, one of the ones that I picked, and I definitely kind of like shortened a lot of it, but, uh, is the, you know, here, here we go. The Pantheon de Berlin. That was good. And that is basically the other name for it, the Santa Paula Cemetery. Um, yeah, I had to make sure I got that pronunciation correct. You did good. Because <laughs> I don't want to mess it up. 
<laughs> for any of our listeners like uh, <laughs> that are in Mexico City, we are trying to do our best to get these pronunciations correct. So, yes. Yay, three years of Spanish. Right. <laughs> um, so the Santa Paula Cemetery was built in 1848 and was located next to the old civic hospital uh, in a former orchard called the San Miguel Belin, uh, from where it gets its name. Uh it was mainly built uh, to meet the need for more burial spots for victims of the the, ep- the epidemics, primarily cholera. Kind of makes kind of makes me think of that book in in time of cholera. I don't know if it has anything to do with the city, but <laughs> I haven't read it in a really long time. But it made me think about that. I actually forgot that it existed until you just mentioned it. That's why if, I don't know if you saw my face. I'm like, you're like, what is she talking about? <laughs> now i want to look up that book and see if it has any correlation anyway <laughs> but uh the name uh cementerio de santa paula um it comes from the fact that there is a chapel dedicated to the saint on the cemetery grounds uh, the cemetery was designed by a famous mexican architect manuel gomez ibarra uh, who 30 years ago redesigned the uh, spears of the Guadalajara Cathedral. Got it. <laughs> which it. was de- Which was destroyed in an earthquake. Uh, the cemetery is also recognized for its historic architecture and its many high-profile burials, uh, one of which uh, the original Jose Cuervo. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. What about Don Julio? Was he there too? No, he was not. They weren't hanging out. <laughs> but yeah, so, and when I was <laughs> reading about that, I totally thought it was just a name of a tequila. I didn't know that it was an actual person. That's not his full name, but yeah, but he's he's buried there. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but the uh, the Pantheon uh, de Berlin used, it used to be divided into two parts. One for the wealthy and one for the, in quotations, commoners. <laughs> the peasants. <laughs> the peasants. <laughs> um, it was later converted to a hospital after the cemetery's closing in 1896. But the section, but the section, <laughs> I swear I could talk, uh, for the wealthy week. has remained intact. Of course. I know. Of course. The rich people can't sit in... <laughs> in rundown <laughs> graves uh but people have claimed to see the deceased residents haunting the graveyard over the years and actually the cemetery now offers night tours of the grounds what so yeah. we're doing this yeah okay kind of functioning they sure. say it's kind of museum of the macabre so uh there are many haunted tales of the cemetery uh but i just kind of picked a few because like i said i went way down the rabbit hole and so instead, I just kind of picked a few stories that I liked that I thought were really, really creepy and other reasons why I would kind of do the night tour. Is that weird? Never. <laughs> okay. So one of the tales uh, is called The Pirate. You know why I picked it? Because, I mean. I used to, you remember in um, elementary school and they asked you what you wanted to be? It wasn't like career day, but they would just ask you what you wanted to be when you grow up. And, you know, the kids would say like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a firefighter. I used 
told my first grade teacher I wanted to be a pirate. That's fair. Right? Fair. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I told my teacher I wanted to be a mermaid, so... Oh, you win. I mean... And she's like, well do you like to go in the ocean? And I said, not really. And she's mm. like, well, I think you're going to have to pick another career. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she wasn't wrong. <laughs> Can mermaids live in lakes where there's no sharks? I mean, I would, I would like to be like the lady of the lake. That'd be cool. I just don't want to be where there's sharks. They have so many teeth. And no, no alligators or crocodiles. No, again, so many teeth. Yeah. They're like, like, like placid. Yeah. They're like, the, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Betty White feeding that thing like girl <laughs> for real girl <laughs> oh man mm. but anyway back to the pirate the story so the story goes is a swashbuckling man I, I love like that. how you said that and yeah. I like that you had the arm motion yes too. No, no one can see it but I just had to I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm uh narrating your your charades over here that's what I like one day I want Morgan Freeman to do that like just narrate my life maybe as i, as feel I walk like around if if there is an afterlife i want the i want the voice of jennifer hudson Ooh. singing how great thou art yep and i want morgan freeman to be welcoming me yeah to wherever it is i like that idea or james earl jones Ooh, dang it you made it so hard now right why'd you gotta go and do that you're welcome <laughs> Let me get back to my swashbuckling man over here. <laughs> arm action, arm action. Yes, swashbuckling man once sailed the Pacific during his youth and attacked many ships laden with uh, with the riches of the Orient. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, as a middle-aged man, the pirate decided to settle and make a life for himself in Guadalajara. He had only one son, but the son did not know of his father's former life as a buccaneer on the high seas. Uh, the man had stashed somewhere in the in the Guadalajara area a massive treasure that was mostly of gold and precious stones. A few months after hiding his pirate treasure, the man died and was buried in the Santa Paula Cemetery. According to the legend, if a devout person visits the pirate's grave at midnight and prays the rosary for the man's tormented soul, the ghost of the pirate will reveal the exact location of the, tra uh, of the treasure. As people have been trying this for years, it is said that the ghost has not yet found the proper devout person. I feel like I need to try. <laughs> Just, I mean, I... I mean, I don't You're know. Like, if I'm... I'll change your mind, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Let the mermaid try. Right. The Flip mermaid. that tail, Brie. <laughs> anyway, it's not going to work. I'm, I'm, he's probably going to like, I'm going to just set on fire. <laughs> <laughs> like, and we're done. Right. Uh, another cool story is the vampire tree. Oh, and like when, when you get a minute, I was going to say, you got to, you got to see what this tree looks like. I don't know if you saw but it's really cool. <laughs> so in the mid-1800s, so the story goes, scores of small animals were found throughout Guadalajara dead. Oh. And, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and with all of their blood gone, like completely empty. <laughs> After months of this strange animal... Um, all the strange animal killings, the same phenomenon hap started happening to human infants. You know, it's, it's a little sad. <laughs> My Google image search also returned a picture of 
Ian Somerhalder. And I look, I like that image <laughs> way better than this creepy ass tree. Yeah, this tree is not one I would want to climb. No. I mean, it looks like it's cool to climb, but then like you look closer, you're like, oh, you know what? Uh, I'll just, I'll pass. Translate page. Yeah, I will pass. <laughs> but anyway, so after this kind of alarmed, you know, everybody in Guadalajara. So they started to form a, a vigilante group to hunt down the supposed vampire who was responsible for this. The mob rounded up a few suspects and singled out the palest and the most vampiric looking man of the group. I feel like I would have been that man's sister. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but don't you think, like, it had to be really hard because I'm just saying, like, in Mexico, there's like a lot of sun. It's really hot. So, like, if you lived there, you know, you're going to be like extremely tan. I mean, I live in Southern California and here we are. Okay, that's true. I live by but the I'm beach. I'm just saying, like, they really had to search for somebody. <laughs> <laughs> like, they had to look long and They're hard. like, hey, you're not tan enough. I, you know what? I'd probably be one too because, you know, me, I'm the only black person you know that burns in the sun so <laughs> so i am kind of a vampire <laughs> a little bit so, anyway but so as uh as is customary according to the rules in vampire lore they drove a stake through the man's heart to kill him the group then took the man's body to uh the santa paula cemetery placing him under a large stone slab the townsfolk rejoice uh, when the vampire attacks uh, stopped, thus proving that they had killed the right man. the A tree started to grow over the slab covering the vampire's grave. And now the tree is, it's huge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's a, um, it is said that if you break a branch off of this tree, it will spurt blood. And even the leaves of the tree will leave a strange red residue in your hands if you handle them for an extended uh, period of time. That's so creepy. Yeah, the tree is now rather large with a huge root system that grabs uh, the slab like like the tentacles of an octopus, pretty much. And that's really what it looks like. It's really creepy. <laughs> uh, it is said that when the tree's root system eventually uh, broke the slab or caused a gap between the slab and the rest of the tomb, the vampire will escape and seek revenge on the modern citizens of a cosmopolitan Guadalajara. Ooh. All right. And so the other one that I pick, it's a little sad, but the story is titled The Child Afraid of the Dark. Oh, this already sounds sad. Yeah. But it's one of the, I would say, famous stories of the cemetery so that's why i had to pick and this one's a little bit longer that's why i said i had to shorten everything because <laughs> there was so much um so on may 24th 1882 a big storm was about to hit the city of guadalajara and a young couple was putting their son to bed a boy who was not even 10 years old yet uh his name was ignacio torres uh oh i don't know if i could say the last name Altamirano. Sounds close. I'm so sorry. I got the first two right. I'm pretty sure. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but his parents and his grandparents lovingly called the young boy Nachito. Oh, oh how cute. I love that name. <laughs> um, so 
as uh, Nachito was afraid of the dark, he always had to sleep with two lit torches outside his bedroom window and slept with the windows open. On this night in May, when the storm hit Guadalajara, the torches blew out. In the morning the next day, Nachito's mother entered the, his room and could immediately tell something was very wrong as the room was extremely cold. She ran to her son's bed to find uh, Nachito motionless and as cold as the room. It was later determined that Nachito had died of a heart attack that night because of his intense, almost pathological fear of the dark. Oh, how sad. Yeah. Oof. Uh, rumors began to spread that the young boy's heart had exploded inside his chest and Nachito's horrible death was the result of a curse or was the work of demons. Uh, Nachito quickly uh, was quickly interred uh, at the nearby cemetery, which is the, the Pantheon de Belén or Santa Paula Cemetery. Uh, and the strangeness, the strangeness that began with his death did not end quickly. Uh, the next morning, the boy's coffin was found uh, disinterred and lying peacefully on the ground next to the hole that was Nachito's grave. The parents... And the locals were alarmed, and the cemetery caretaker reburied the, bo- the, the boy's coffin. The next morning, same thing happened. And it happened again for nine consecutive days. Oh my gosh, that's terrifying. That's so creepy. <laughs> This is why I never want to live next to a cemetery. <laughs> One of the reasons. Uh, Nachito's parents concluded that because the boy was so afraid of the dark, he did not want to be kept in the ground away from the light. The solution was to create a stone uh, coffin to stand on four short pillars above the ground so Nachito's tomb could always see sunlight. Since the time of Nachito's so death... Sweet. I know, I was like, this is so cute. <laughs> uh, since the time of Nachito's death, many people visiting the cemetery have claimed to either have seen or heard a young boy matching uh, Nachito's description and have mysteriously uh, seen uh, balloons floating. This is not, it's not Pennywise. I was like, do you see my head like <laughs> Pennywise wrote balloons? Yeah, and it was carried by a small child. So Georgie is... Do you like a balloon? Basically, Nachito is the um the the mexican georgie <laughs> <pretty Aww. much. laughs> but um strangely nachicho's tomb draws the curious from all parts of mexico some of uh, whom uh, leave him a toy and ask him for a favor um on children's day which is april 30th and uh christmas day especially um people come to his his grave, his final resting place, and they place little small toys and stuffed animals. Uh, actually, if you go to the uh, the website um, of the cemetery or look up pictures of the cemetery, you can actually see it. Aww, yeah, and sad. then um, the caretakers of the cemetery always donate the offerings to local hospitals and the items end up in the hands of terminally ill children. Um, you know, This just keeps getting sadder and sadder. Yeah. <laughs> From beyond the grave, little Nachito continues to have an impact on the living world from his permanent home in this cemetery. Oh, Nachito. Yeah. So those are some of the stories of the Pantheon de Berlin. And I really want to go because other than that, it is really beautiful to just see like, you know, all the Mm, wonderful architecture. Goddamn bloody trees and scared (laughs) little kids. What's wrong with you? (laughs) Again. I couldn't sleep. 
so i picked the worst ones i guess hey the, the pirate one was cool okay that's true. i picked a, a somewhat not that creepy i did like the pirate i mean because i just i just want to talk about it because i just want to get a bunch of people so that we can go and see who's worthy and then we can all share the treasure okay i like this plan because i i just don't think i'll be worthy i'm gonna try well if you're not i don't stand a damn chance (laughs) (laughs) but um just really interesting place to look at like just with the pictures again definitely on the list of places to go indeed (laughs) Um, well, the second one that I picked is called La Moira House. Oh. Yeah. And so when I was doing my research, I pulled info from, there's a gal that runs a blog called Amy's Crypt. And oh, yeah. <laughs> so she had a lot of really great information on the La Moira House. And then I also pulled info from a publication called Recuerdo. Oh. Yeah. So there are many stories about spirits and death that surround this house, which once operated as a cultural center and became a site where dozens of people witnessed invocations to spirits and paranormal activities on an ongoing basis. Creepy. <laughs> uh, so La Moira is located in uh, CDMX on the 125 uh, Vasconcelos Ave in San Miguel, in the San Miguel Chapultec, Chapultepec. I'm so sorry. So Neighborhood. Great. I'm God. God damn, so guys. Great. I'm so sorry. I'm trying. <laughs> um, and it's said to be the reason I picked this is because it's said to be the most haunted house in Mexico. Mm -hmm. which is odd because uh there is one death actually that occurred here that haunts this building and that is the the spirit of this boy is said to be the primary manifestation of all of these odd activities and such so the most widely told paranormal story of la moira house is one that is you know we both picked really sad stories this one is (laughs) devastatingly depressing so it focuses on a young boy named marcus who supposedly paid a trip to the visit the home when he was just eight years old and at this time the house was abandoned and marcus's curiosity got the better of him so upon entering this now notorious dwelling marcus witnessed something that would stick with him and scar him the rest of his life So as the timid young man slowly entered the empty building, he heard voices emanating from the empty rooms, something that he couldn't quite explain. And these strange voices only piqued his interest more and spurred him on to explore the home further. So Marcus bravely proceeded to walk up the stairs of this home and enter one of its bedrooms. It was here that he witnessed a disturbing apparition of a man who had been hanged from the ceiling. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So understandably, this scared Marcus so much that he fled the house. Uh, sadly, the site did a lot to disturb him, and the apparition of the hangman apparently dominated his thoughts from then forward and put him in a really dark mental state. So for the following 10 years, the same dark thoughts continued to plague poor Marcus's mind to the point where they drew him to return to the house. Um, obsessed with the house and in a strange twist of fate, Marcus entered the same room that he had seen the apparition of the hanging man all those years before and then he proceeded to take his own life in the same manner oh my gosh yeah really really sad 
So no one truly knows the reason as to why this poor young man would have returned to a place that caused him so much fear and anxiety. Um, But many have speculated various reasons, one of which involves possession by a dark entity that could have coaxed him to return and then take his own life. And then other theories get a little more elaborate, stating that as a child, Marcus witnessed his own body hanging and then returned to the haunted house to fulfill some kind of sick prophecy. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. So at one point you could actually visit the Lemoyer house and it was a cultural center and there were lots of art shows and music performances and so forth. Um, However, it is actually now a private residence and it is no longer accessible to the public. And it continues to be known as one of the most haunted places in Mexico. And if you, if you Google image it, it actually is completely black. Um, and it's it's really really creepy it's yeah oh my god you can only view it from the outside that's so creepy yeah so that that's the story of uh mexico city's most haunted house the la moira house oh oh my gosh mm-hmm. way creepy oh boy <laughs> Well, so another, the a second one that I picked is the uh, La Posada del Sol. I'm excited for this one. This one's so creepy. <laughs> it really is. And just looking at pictures of it is just, yeah, I can see why they don't really like people to go in there. <laughs> so in the center of Mexico City lies the ruins of the Hotel Posada del Sol um pretty much it just if you look at the picture now it's just a bunch of graffiti everywhere it's super abandoned and you know they do say like it's truly you know just one of the most haunting sites to just kind of see just sitting there um you're not allowed in though many people have um you know snuck in of course and got pictures so Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh this uh hotel that was being built uh was being created by uh fernando saldana galvan uh who pretty much poured his blood sweat and tears in this hotel uh that he wanted to create in the mid 20th century um and pretty much kind of like you know failed at the attempt um but it would have been pretty much it would have been like right in the center of mexico city and it would have been the most extravagant hotels in the world one one of the most extravagant hotels in the world um (laughs) uh so although the posada del sol is visibly crumbling from the outside and has little meaning to the you know street side vendors who surround it the inside reveals the true beauty and historical significance of the hotel uh combining baroque colonial architecture and modernist modernist decadence the posada posada del sol occupies more than half a block encompassing gardens patios fountains terraces massive paintings and elevated viewpoints um, more than 600 rooms were built by Galvan, uh, who uh, adorned the property with a casino, a theater, a gorgeous chapel, ballrooms, galleries, tea rooms, Turkish baths, and a human-sized chessboard. A human-sized chessboard. Yep. That's like at uh, Malibu Cafe. Yep. 
Interesting. Yeah, pretty much like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Considered an icon of Mexico's architecture, this building is a just it's kind of like a a mixture of architectural and artistic currents. Um, Galvan uh, was a huge art lover. Um, So this building is designed. uh, He designed it as a residence and a hotel for artists and intellectuals of the of that time. Um, however, what was meant to be a magnificent sanctuary of creativity made with amazing details and impressive dimensions now remains in ruins. All that remains are empty rooms, dark basements, moldy windows, dusty walls, and a wild garden. It's really sad. Aww. Too bad, like, nobody can just, like, you know, do something with it. Instead of just, like, letting it sit there. I know. I don't under Like, that part I didn't really understand, because, like, there's all this beautiful architecture in there. And I mean, now it's just, you know, graffiti and mold. Like it's kind of, it's, it's sad. <laughs> I mean, but that's also a lot of like South central LA. Yeah. Breaks my heart. It's, it's, it's a bummer. Yeah. That thing, beautiful architecture just goes to waste like that. Um, but unfortunately for uh, Galvan, external factors got the better of him. Construction on the Posada del Sol was completely suspended at the beginning of 1945. And as Galvan's uh, debt rose, he hung himself in the hotel yard. Oh, man. Legend has it he cursed the building before taking his life, which is why it stands empty today. I guess that answers my question, but mm. still. <laughs> it's been years. <laughs> Um, one explanation cited for the hotel's demise is that uh, Galvan went insane and murdered his family just before opening the cultural center. Uh, and then others believe that Galvan got deep in, into deep water with the Freemasons or that the project was all a facade to perform satanic rituals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, and there's also um, a little bit more specifically about his um, suicide. So, um, they say that he hung himself in front of the statue of of St. Francis de Assisi. Oh, yep. You, you got that right. I did. Yeah. Uh, protected by a wolf. And then before doing so, however, he had an inscription carved into a stone located uh, within the premises. Um, and a part of it read, I recommend that the vein and the angry without merit be appraised who tried to humiliate gosh who tried to humiliate me uh overloaded me with difficulties or climbed over me to increase their own ostentation and patrimony while i have worked with no truce and no hope that's deep yeah oh crazy so sad yeah, <laughs> um, but the uh, the official and most credible version of what happened in the hotel explains that actually Saldana died of pneumonia in his house some months after canceling the construction of the legendary hotel. So in the years following uh, Saldana's death, the the building became a home to the. Okay, here I go. <laughs> you got this. Instituto. Uh, in <laughs> indigest uh, indigestnista americano and then and oh god <laughs> so hard el consejo de rescuros minerales and oh i can't get the rest 
<laughs> I, I practiced this and it just went all away. Procuradoria. Yeah. <laughs> General de Justicia. There. I got through it. That's, you, did, you did it. <laughs> Thank you for your help. Your assistance. <laughs> it was so long. I swear I'm I practiced guessing. this. I was like, this is a lot. <laughs> but after all that, that whole long name that we just said um it also gained the nickname the bunker <laughs> oh that was so much easier <laughs> i know after all that right <laughs> after 12 names the bunker is way easier <laughs> yes yeah, so and then rumors uh you know started that you know the building was haunted um mainly by the the ghost of the creator uh mannequins have been hung around the place in kind of like a a macabre gesture of apparent mockery <laughs> in recent times it has been used for the occasional tv series or movie um there was and then also it was in a movie called the sombras del cielo by victor velasquez a short film about a crow assuming human uh, female form uh, but there's also another little creepy factor uh and it's probably one of the most eerie kind of features of it. It's it's a dark room, and it's believed to be the home to an altar of a missing girl who was found dead in the hotel's basement, and whose ghost is believed to also haunt the hotel. Um, some have known, some have been known to place candy on the girl's altar in order to uh, escape, in order to her, in order for her to escape her curse. Excuse me. <laughs> um, and a lot and her room is uh, in room 103 and that's where the altar is and a lot of people break in trying to you know get in there and see this altar or see the ghost of the creator but just so that you guys know it is illegal to visit the inside of the hotel so and please don't, don't it, break into things yes please be <laughs> um, respectful yes enjoy the posada del sol from the outside do not pass go do not collect 200 dollars. <laughs> it is very hard to get in beyond the wired net and metal fences and it is located in front of a main road and government buildings so do not expect an easy entrance or that you'll be able to get in at all and it's also protected by security so don't get arrested. Please don't. And we, we don't want you to get arrested. We don't advocate it or recommend it. But any of our listeners, if you have been to the outside, not the inside, and you have pictures, please share with us. Oh, yeah. We would love to find I you. mean, internet's cool. But like, if you have like a real picture that you took, mm -hmm. we like that. Oh, yes. We love pictures. We'll <laughs> share them on our social media accounts. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was your next one? So my final one that I picked and I'm almost excited about. Oh, so good. Is Isla de las Muñecas. Ooh. Also known as the Island of the Dolls. So cool. I want to go here. Me too. I and don't I really like dolls. dolls. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> my mom is a collector oh. of dolls and I'm sure she would probably love this. And especially because it has know, the... even even your mom, I think, would find this a little much. I mean, she she'd find something cool in it though. Oh man. Um, <laughs> well, so uh, Isla de las Muñecas has been 
documented and traveled to and filmed so many times that they actually have their own website, which is where I got most of this information. Um, and then also I watched an episode of Ghost Hunters where they went to Isla de las Muñecas and the I remember the creepiest damn thing that happened. Um, so I'll just go on record and say that I think that 99.9% of the stuff that happens on Ghost Adventures is fake. It's fun to watch, and I watch it for the entertainment value. Um, but I believe that 99.9% of it is just fabricated for ratings. There I said it. I'm sorry. However, <laughs> if even like 0.1% of it is not fabricated, that's creepy. So in this particular episode, they went at night because they always investigate at night because what's the fun of doing it in the daytime? <laughs> and at one point, Zach Bagans and his other investigator friend, Aaron, the ball guy with the beard, walk by a doll. Because if you haven't checked this place out, go to their website. It's iladelasmuñecas.com or you can just Google um, Doll Island or Island of the Dolls and do a Google image search. It's so fucking creepy. Yeah. There are haggard dolls of all sorts everywhere, all around. Mega creepy. So anyway, they're walking by at night and then all of a sudden, one doll starts doing like the crying voices and such. Nope. Yeah, and, and like the, it lights up and everything and they're like, what the fuck is this? This is so creepy. So they flip it over because none of these things are supposed to be operational. I mean, they've been here forever. So they flip the doll over and they open up the battery pack to see if there's any batteries in it and there's obviously no batteries in it. No, thank you. No. No, thank you. Super creepy. Um, so again, most of it's probably fake, but that's the coolest damn story I've seen on Ghost Adventures. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so what is the Island of the Dolls? Just south of Mexico City, between the canals of Zoshimijo, I think, or something of the like, um, you can find a small island with a very sad background, which never intended to be a tourist destination. And this island is known as Isla de las Muñecas. So it's dedicated to the lost soul of a poor girl who met her fate too soon under strange circumstances. Mm. So the area has thousands of people, but the small island is home to hundreds of terrifying dolls with severed limbs, decapitated heads, and blank eyes that adorn the trees. Again, if you haven't seen this place, Google image search it. There, It is not like anything that you have ever seen. It's odd it's it's hard to believe that this is a real place so here's the legend behind island of the dolls so it said that a girl was actually found drowned in mysterious circumstances many years ago on the island and that the dolls are possessed by her spirit local legend says that the dolls move their heads and arms and even open their eyes some witnesses claim that they've heard dolls whispering to each other while others who were on a boat near the island said the dolls lured them to come to the island oh my gosh mm -hmm. so of course these witnesses are exaggerating and the island is in no way possessed but Isla de los muñecas is a very creepy place anyway and it marks the casual visitor so who actually made the island of the dolls because it's hard to believe that these things would just, you know, appear out of nowhere, right? So, Don Julian Santana Barrera, 
uh, was the caretaker of this island. And the story goes that he found a little girl drowned and he was not able to save her life. So shortly thereafter, he saw a floating doll near the canals. Most probably the doll belonged to that little girl. So he picked it up and he hung it to a tree as a way of showing respect and support for the spirit of the dead girl. Oh, yeah. Um, So other people often question the existence of her and reports conclude that he made up the story about her in his solitude while he was caring for the island. No, thank you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what do these dolls that are hanging from the trees represent? So Don Julian was apparently haunted by the spirit of this little girl and started hanging more dolls in an attempt to please her spirit. He soon realized the dolls themselves were possessed by the spirits of dead girls, multiple dead girls. It's plural. (laughs) And continued to collect these creepy dolls, hanging them over the entire island. So according to those close to him, it was as if Julian was driven by some unseen force that completely changed him. Apparently, he was very marked by the fact that he was not able to save the the little girl's life. After 50 years of collecting dolls and hanging them on the island, Julian was found dead, drowned in the exact same spot where the little girl died. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. So many people on the island believe that Julian has joined the other spirits of the island. And the locals are very faithful that Isla de las Muñecas is a charmed place. After Julian's death in 2001, it's become a tourist attraction where visitors bring more dolls. (laughs) Because if one doll is great, many is better. No, it's not. Um, So since the death of Julian, the island has become very famous and has been featured in many articles and TV shows. Although the action of Don Julian was innocent and even admirable, it ended up being portrayed as a very real nightmarish destination. Soulless eyes follow visitors as they visit the small island, which is actually a floating garden. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And that is the story of Isla de las Muñecas, or Island of the Dolls. So cool. So if you go to their website, um, they actually have a couple of different things. One, they have a virtual tour that you can take, very similar to the virtual tour that you can take of the Paris catacombs, where it's the pictures and you, it's it's like Google Maps, but for a really creepy island of dolls that you can kind of go around the island with. And then they also have two videos that show different walkthroughs of the island as well. Oh, that's really cool. So creepy. (laughs) Okay, my last one. I thought I'd add, you know, something pretty creepy since I went with like some of the sad stories of the cemetery. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this is the story of the Casa de los Lamentos. House of Laments. How sad. For those of us who would like to know what it is in English. (laughs) Um, During the 18th century, the, uh, I think it's Marquis. Yes. Oh, no, the Marquess. No, it's Marquis. Uh, Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, okay. No. Oh, no. No, no, that's right. That's the the woman. That's a lady. That's a lady. (laughs) That's a lady. I was like, Marquis, like, 
Yeah. Q-U-I-S? Like, yeah, yeah. you said it right. Okay. <laughs> no. the, the Marquess of San Clemente commanded the construction of the mansion for his... Oh, wait. So, it's got to be Marquis. Because it says for his daughter. Oh. It's <laughs> because, not a lady. Because, But it says the Marquess. Anyway. We're smart. Yeah. We got this. <laughs> I had an energy drink. It's fine. Um, it was a long week. <laughs> uh, well, anyway. So, he constructed the mansion for his daughter. And then in the 19th century, the house was a, a post office until 1890 when Tadeo... Fulgencio Mejia. Yep. That's close. Yes, he bought the property. And he was a uh, a, a mining engineer for the mines of Decata y de Milan- Milano. Oh. Yeah. So that's where he worked. <laughs> so, sad story. Uh, his wife, uh, Costanza was um that's such a cool name i know really really cool um she had been uh stabbed oh in her home oh sad yes it was um it, it occurred during a domestic uh invasion but this was um orchestrated by the employees of the mine where mejia worked they accused him of uh malversation but really, the mine uh, suffered an ec- economic crisis. And for this reason, the salaries had been really late. Um, Costanza was stabbed in the neck. But according uh, to other versions, uh, Costanza died in the street near, near, her, near the house. So they were saying it didn't happen in the house, but possibly. But um, anyway... After his wife, Costanza, died in the assault, uh, Tadeo Mejia became super unhinged, as one would if their spouse was brutally murdered. Um, So in the 1890s, his delusional attempts to contact his dead spouse led to a murderous spree. Oh. Yes. (laughs) Um, he consulted with a witch, they said in quotations, <laughs> who showed him strange rituals that included human sacrifices of young men and women. Tadeo Mejia committed an unknown number of murders, and several human bones were located in the mansion's basement. Aww. Yeah. Pretty scary. <laughs> um so uh fun fact um he so the local legend relates that mejia when he suffered he suffered from psychosis in the wake of his wife's death and would stop at nothing to kind of be like you know reunited with her and this is what you know kind of started he just you know started doing like bizarre human sacrifices (laughs) so fun fact is it is a museum now and you can go there. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if I want to. <laughs> I mean, why not? What else are we going to do? But it's cool. It's a little kitschy museum that can be toured. Um, and since acting as Mejia's a bloody residence, the house has been subjected to tales of haunting by subsequent tenants, reports of lingering walls, 
and the cries of Mejia's victims have lent the house its descriptive name, House of Laments. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Once inside, uh, dioramas depicting Mejia's... uh, Mejia, surrounded by skulls, chains, and implements of black magic, give visitors a morbid greeting. Perhaps as unsettling, uh, perhaps as unsettling are the displays that focus on his uh, lost relationship with shelves of uh, crockery from the 19th century, alongside framed photographs of Mejia and his lost Costanza. Oh, yep. Yeah, but but eventually um, he uh, killed himself and taking the knowledge of how many lives he truly claimed to the grave. So no one really knows. It's like an episode of Law and Order. Yeah. <laughs> but if you look at the, the, they have pictures on their website, it's it's pretty creepy. I, I feel like I would bring some some sage and a rosary and all kinds of stuff. All kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. I thought I'd add some murder in there for you. Because who doesn't love murder? (laughs) Right. Well, I looked up just for funsies. I googled to see if we can go to Mexico City. We actually can. (gasps) The travel ban for us was lifted on September 21st, which was four days ago. Really? Yeah, man. So I can go to the, the Casa de Lamentos? We can. And the the Island of the Dolls? We can. <gasps> oh, I'm tempted now. It's been downgraded from a do not travel level four to a reconsider level three. And possible quarantine after, I'm sure. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, good two weeks from work. Well, yeah. I mean, oh, darn. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was waiting for that. Oh, darn. I was waiting. Oh, man. I gotta stay two weeks away from work. Although, technically, (laughs) I'm working from home, so I'm... Oh, so they probably like, oh, well, you'll just work from home. It's fine. Yeah. Guess what, kid? You'll just keep working from home. (laughs) Boo. But anyway. Yeah. Fun fact. We can go. But, uh, like, again, uh, I'll say again, any of our listeners that are uh, living in Mexico City or nearby. We do have listeners in Mexico. Oh, yay! Yes, we do. We have listeners in Mexico. I was just looking at the uh, our statistics. We've oh, got, great. We've got some. Good. Well, any of you uh, listening to this show, please email us. We want to know if you know any more about these stories that we've talked about. Or places, sorry. Places that we've talked about today. Because, you know, it's nothing like it when you've really like actually been there or if you know of other places that we should check out and cover on a future episode if we do like a a part due of haunted mexico city let us know or sure share all of your stories and fun things we like to hear that stuff we'll read them on the podcast yes and pictures oh send pictures we love pictures we really do love pictures (gasps) yes we do i mean you saw us taking a whole bunch of pictures on our instagram so we, we love pictures yep but yeah, but please email us at thesquagghouls at gmail.com. And also make sure that you are uh, subscribed and to all the places where you listen to our podcasts. And please like us and rate us as well. And like us on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Do the things. Do all the things. Creep it real. And we'll scare you later. Goodbye. Bye.